the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He came to us in the person of a man that looked just like us. He came down from the mountain where the snow never melts. He came to this earth to live, to die, and to forgive. He came to find us in life, to save us in life from the kind of things that take our lives. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now to take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888-244-HOPE. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the conclusion to Up High, where the snow never melts. You can find this broadcast online if you missed any portion of the first part of this at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion, again to the broadcast Up High, where the snow never melts. It is today's Reaching Your Heart. How many of you are Little House on the Prairie fans when you were... I mean, that program just did something good with TV for a little period of time. It's one of the golden years of television. And in the storyline of this particular episode, The Lord is My Shepherd, the Ingalls family experiences the unforeseen growing pains of a new addition to the family. A baby boy is being born. And when little Charles Jr. is finally born, he quickly becomes the focus of his father's undivided attention. Laura Ingalls, the one-time center of the family, is replaced by the little boy. She slips into jealousy for her father's attention. She can't believe that he's giving him all the attention and not her. And when the child falls ill, unexpectedly, Laura refuses to pray for little Charles' recovery. Shortly after her refusal, the infant dies and little Laura is plunged into a severe case of depression and guilt. Inspired by a moving sermon from the local preacher who claims that God can do anything, Laura, trying to figure out how she can reverse this thing, she sets out on a pilgrimage to find the God who can do anything. One night, she runs away. She runs away to find God. She climbs a high mountain to pray her impossible prayer to God. She prays that God will swap her, will take her life, and bring her little brother back into the world. She prays for three days that God will take her to heaven and send her little brother back to her lonely father. I mean, this was television at its best because it showed, you know, what a family can go through and how the spiritual dimension is there. And she was seeking God and trying to solve the sin problem that she had done. Her guilt was overtaking her and her prayer was not answered her way. She wanted God to answer her prayer her way. In the storyline, she meets a hermit named Jonathan who, unbeknown to Laura, is really an angel from God. Laura poses the question to the stranger from heaven, Jonathan. She says, Jonathan, I just don't understand. He just won't listen. I prayed as hard as I could. It's been three days now. And maybe he just doesn't want to talk because of all the bad things I've done. Suddenly the angelic hermit interrupts the little girl and Jonathan speaks. No, child. No, he's forgiving. He has to be or he wouldn't have anyone else to talk to. Laura shakes her head. 
I just don't understand. There are lots of higher places in the big woods. That's where I lived when I was little. That's it. That must be it. I've got to go up there, up high where the snow never melts. And in this episode of Little House on the Prairie, the screenwriter captured the universal longing to find God. You see, we want to go up high where the snow never melts. In our alienation from God, we want to find God if we are being moved by the Holy Spirit. And so the screenwriter also captured the universal fact that we have hard times feeling the presence of God in the face of our human failure and guilt. When we've let God down, God seems high above us, far out there in a mountain where the snow never melts. Little Laura said these words, I just don't understand. He just won't listen. I've got to go up there, up high, where the snow never melts. We all in our own way try to go up high where the snow never melts. The truth is that we cannot climb high enough to find God. For us to be saved, for us to be forgiven, God has to come down here. Every Hebrew was commanded by God to build an altar on level ground. The altar was on level ground because we can't climb up to God where the snow never melts. Forgiveness is not found in the highest mountain we can climb. According to the Bible, it's found on the flat earth where we live, where we struggle, where we fail. Somehow God comes down here. An altar that finds God is here, not there. Exodus 20, verse 24, at Mount Sinai, God had come down. He had come down to rescue and deliver His people. He spoke the law of God. And right there, He told us how we're to build our altar. He said, an altar of earth you shall make for me. And sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. And then this amazing statement, God says, I will come to you and bless you. I mean, there are times we don't know how to find God. And the profound truth of the Bible is that God finds us. God bridges the gap. God comes to His people who are suffering and hurting. And God is the hound of heaven that seeks to save the lost. In time, God came down to us in Jesus. The Old Testament era ends with a glorious appearance of a human being who is God. He came to us in the person of a man that looked just like us. He came down from the mountain where the snow never melts. He came to this earth to live, to die, and to forgive. He came to find us in life, to save us in life from the kind of things that take our lives. The promises we don't keep. He came to save us because of our sins. The people we let down. The hearts we wound. The moral failures that we encounter on the rough ground of living. The slippages of life when we don't follow through with Him and we lose His presence. The failures we exhibit and the God we disappoint. Friends, Jesus came down to save us from these things. Yeah, if the gospel is not about the grace of God, then it's not good news. You know, some people say, well, the gospel. If the gospel's not about the love of God, it's not good news. The gospel is about the love of God. It's about the grace of God. It's about Jesus who is the gospel. Good news. In John 13, 1, the Bible records these words. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world. And this is one of my favorite little statements in the Gospel of John. It says, He loved them to the end. I mean, that's not the kind of love that picks and chooses when he hangs around. It's not the kind of love that says, well, I've had enough of you, I'm leaving town. 
It's the kind of love that says, I'm going to distance with you. No matter what it takes, I'm going to save you. I'm going to love you to the end. And the end, and the context is His end. He loves us till there's nothing left to give. Verse 2, And during the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that means forgiveness, friend. I mean, God had given him the right and authority to forgive us and raise us from the dead. So God had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and he was going to God. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. You know, in the mind of many, there is a question, and the many are scattered throughout the universe, and there are a few of them here too. And the question arises, I mean, it's inevitable. When you look at an infinite, powerful God who has the capacity to put galaxies out there, to create the quantum world of electrodynamics, to tie it all together in a mysterious way that scientists can't probe and figure out, you have to ask the moral question eventually about a God like that. And the question is this, who or what is that unseen God deep inside his soul? What is his character? What is his heart like? What is the God of the mountain really like who lives way up high where the snow never melts? Do you know, friend, the God you have such a hard time reaching up to and finding in hard times? The question must be asked, what is that God like? Where is the God who seems to not listen or understand when you fall or face your sin or you come to grips with a fault of character just seems to hang in there with you or you lose someone in your life that you don't want to lose? Where is God? Who is He like? Can He relate to what I'm going through? Where is the God of the mountain who lives high beyond the eye that feels with tears down here on level ground? Can He cry? Can He sympathize and empathize? Can He be with me? And really feel it. In the Gospel of John, he bends down low to wash our feet. He weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. He walks the dusty roads with his disciples. He finds a woman at the well. He is the hound of heaven in hot pursuit of his children. Yes, the God way up there bends down in John 13 and washes his disciples' feet. He loves them to the end. In the little house in the prairie episode, the angel Jonathan told Laura, No child, no. He's forgiving. He has to be. Or he wouldn't have anyone else to talk to. Paul put it this way in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we're all born at the bottom of the mountain groping for a God we cannot find high up where the snow never melts. Ephesians 1.7, Paul completes the thought. In Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. In the Greek language, the word lavish means riches. He put the wealth of eternal God. He emptied heaven's bank account for us in Jesus. That is what that verb implies. It means God was bankrupted at the cross. When God did an audit at the cross, God had nothing left in his bank account because Jesus had died for our sins. Forgiveness was costly grace for him as he forgave us freely for our sins. The gift of eternal life, friend, that is his eternal life, given for us as sacrifice, cost something so dear and of the heart of God that it can never be replaced for all eternity. We will never understand what God lost on Calvary's cross. But when He was done, the universe knew at last 
that God, the God who lives high up on the mountain where the snow never melts, is a forgiving God with a heart that is warm and broken for his people. And the snow was rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit. The mountain was melting. Verse 9, for he has made known to us and all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Dear heart, in Jesus, the unseen God came down from the highest mountain where the snow never melts, and God manifested himself as our friend. In Jesus, God took up the basin, the towel, and he washed our feet and our sins away at the cross. In Jesus, God forgave us at the cross, and God forgives us today, right here on level ground where life is hard. In Jesus, God comes to the table, and we find a forever friend who is faithful to carry the heart with its fears and frailty for the rest of life in an atmosphere of acceptance and forgive us throughout life because he wants us more than he wants to point out our evils. In Jesus, we fellowship with the unseen God who loves us more than God, who loves us more than his eternal being, even though he lives where the snow never melts. He lives up high, but he loves us way down low. In Jesus, we see at last the face of compassion and the eye that sees everything and still forgives. You see, God looks into your life. He knows exactly where you've messed up. He forgives you because forgiveness is his very nature. It is the aspect of his being that defines who he is as a God of love. The God we thought could never forgive because he lives so high. In Jesus, we see that very God and we find the face of the Father who forgives. In God's plan, Jesus became the way to the mountain where the snow never melts, up high. Up high, we can live forever with him. You know, this week, God spoke to me in two ways that mean a lot to me today. This was a rough week. You ever have a rough week? Something happens, there's a strained friendship or something doesn't go right, and you just want to know if God's with you. This week, God spoke to me in two ways that mean a lot to me today. I had a funeral for a friend who was old and weak, and when she died, I was called to preach it. I saw her last in a hospital. When she died, the family asked me to speak the Word of God at her graveside. Not a funeral at church. It was a funeral on the side of a hill. It was a hole in the ground. And as that hole was there, and there was the ashes from her cremation, they were planting her ashes there to be buried in some kind of hope that somehow it would sprout like a seed in the resurrection. And so I had words to say. I spoke the necessary words at the gravesite. And as I spoke them, as words of the gospel, a little boy came up to me, a family member there, and he gave me the stone. He says, Pastor, I want to give you this gift. It's a stone. I want you to know something, Pastor. And here's what he said to me. He said, God is like this rock. Take it, and would you keep it? Now, he was trying to tell me that God is so sure in life, and God is so solid, Pastor, that a God will always be with you. I want you to know that, Pastor. The Holy Spirit was flowing through that little boy. He had a message for the preacher, and so I bowed my head, and I prayed that God would guide his life, and God would keep him in the way of truth. And I took the stone, and I hold it in my hand today. That same day, later on, I was tired. I just had the funeral. I sometimes unwind and I was praying and I was praying for a friend who I'm praying for the gift of forgiveness in that person's life. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. 
we step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. In my brokenness of heart for my friend, I drove to a guitar center store. Sometimes I go up there. You ever go to, how many of you ever go to guitar center? Anybody right here? A few of you do. I go up there and I just sit down. I pull one of those big expensive Martins, like an HD 28 electronic version off the wall, plug it into the amp, and I'll pray and play. Pray in my head and play the guitar. It's my way of unwinding. I meandered into the guitar store to pray and play the guitar. And when I got to the back, I was playing on that electric version of the Martin HD 28 when an old man came up to me and said, You play well but you're getting older. (laughs) You don't want to hear that part. He said, if you ever get a guitar, I want you to listen to me, son. He says, get the one that reaches into your heart where you can feel it like that Martin. And it sounds right inside your head. And don't worry about it. He says, don't look at that seagull over there, the Martin. Because in the end, what matters is what's in your head and your heart, how it sounds inside. Now, he went out of his way to give me that kind of advice. I was kind of stunned by it. I was impressed, in fact, that a man of older years would point out that I'm getting there and that I should take precautions to get there in the right way. And so I asked him the question. I said, sir, who are you? Why did you come here? Are you feeling okay? And he said, not really. And then it became evident. He says, I'm not feeling okay. I'm alive, and I should have died. I'm a miracle. NIH saved my life from cancer, and I can't figure out why I have these extra years of life. He says, I'm struggling. I should have died much younger, and others have died before me. I asked my rabbi why God let me live, and my rabbi said, your life was saved so you could do good for others. And yet he said, that doesn't seem good enough. It seems like there's an emptiness in that admonition. There's something else I need. I feel alone, and there's something missing in my life, Pastor. He said, I don't know why God allows my wife who is dying to suffer as she does. So I'm here. I'm asking questions here. I don't know why so many people hurt in this world. In my family, there's been a lot of hurt going on. I come from a line of people who have suffered in the Holocaust. I can't explain that. I can't come to grips with a God who would let millions of my family and of my race die like that. And the hatred in the Middle East, he says, I can't fathom it. Where is God? And I told him about the Middle East a little bit. I said, there was a spot 2,000 years ago in the Middle East where a righteous Jew like you was condemned by the Romans and banished by his own people outside the gate. He died at the summit of the Mount of Olives for the sins of his people and for the sins of everyone else too. I said, and he asked the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We don't have answers for all of this. At that point, I share with him my personal experience of God's forgiveness and grace. I share with him how God found me at the age of 15. I prayed a prayer. If there's a God up there, guide me. And God miraculously guided me to a boarding school in North Carolina where I met my biological father two months before he died. 
And I learned my father had been praying to find me. My father had accepted Christ. He was now trying to bring Christ into the lives of children. He didn't know where they're at. And I asked him, I said, what do you make of that? He says, that's a miracle. I said, yeah, it's a miracle. And he says, no other way to explain it. I learned that from my father that God could forgive. And I told him that Jesus Christ, I said, sir, Jesus Christ was the guardian protector of your nation in the Old Testament. He was the mighty messenger, the redeemer that carried God's people all the days of old. And I quoted this verse to him, Isaiah 63, 9. In all of their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. He was listening to me. We were engaging about Jesus in Jewish terms. I said, sir, I came here today because God wanted you to meet me and I needed to meet you. And because God loves you and because God wants you to know that he deeply loves you and your family. I didn't say a lot more than that after that. I don't know how it happened, but it did happen right there inside that guitar shop. There were people peeking and looking at us. It was like they were blocked out. The God who lives way up high where the snow never melts found an old Jewish man, wise Jewish man in a guitar shop. And he found me. And he kind of put us together for a moment of grace. I shared Jesus with him in Jewish terms. And what happened at the cross. And then we bowed our heads. And I took his hand in mine and he took mine. And we prayed together. I prayed for grace and the way that God would give it to him, not the way I think he needs it, but the way God would give it to him. And I prayed for his wife that God would be with her, either heal her or sustain her, but give her grace. Now, friend, he may never know Jesus the way I do. He may never grasp the gospel at the depth that I can. But that day, Jesus found him. And Jesus knew that this man, no matter where he was at in his journey, was independently precious to God. And he had rerouted my week, my day, so that I ended up right there. And he was there. And God was there in the midst. And I'm telling you, friends, I have brethren who love Jesus who don't even know his name because they're yearning for Jesus. Sometimes we feel that you have to say the right thing and you have to do something good for God to love you. Why? Because God lives up high where the snow never melts. And God is so high, He might never come down, we feel. And how can He find me if I don't have the answers, if I don't have my Bible, as I struggle with a broken heart and I'm dealing with questions I can't answer? Friend, God finds a way to connect us to Him. That day at the funeral when I was struggling, in my own issues, God found me and gave me a stone, a little boy, a gift, to remind me that God is sure and certain His grace and love for me. And that same day, God used me to find a son of Abraham who was hurting and all alone in a guitar shop where he led us together for a time in a season of prayer. I asked the man to go home. And when he would go home to read Isaiah chapter 52 and 53, I said, here is a chapter that describes the servant of Israel, the guardian of God's people. You read that chapter. When we parted on my way out the door, a young man who works in that shop pulled me aside and he said, sir, I want to talk to you just really briefly. He says, I was moved by what happened back there. He says, I personally want to thank you for praying for that lonely man. 
I couldn't believe it. He said it really touched me. And then this is what I said to him. What else could we do? He needed love. What else could we do? The young man didn't know that I needed love too. It is in giving we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. It is in loving that we are loved. You know, people sometimes struggle. How can I have my needs met in the church? I feel like people don't forgive. I don't feel like people love me. I don't feel like people need me. Friends, it's in giving ourselves that we receive. Jesus was poured out on the cross of Calvary. Christ's need to save the world was met. And in the resurrection, He was justified. And we are too in Him. In our search for grace, God finds us. And God searches out the soul that can never find Him or His grace because what else would a forgiving God do for all His children? In Jesus, we have the gift of life and we have the assurance that our sins are forgiven as the gift from the God who lives high up where the snow never melts. In Jesus, we find at last that His heart is warm and that God Himself is love. Well, that will conclude up high where the snow never melts with Pastor Michael Oxentanko. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Remember, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for joining us today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just a book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. From everybody here at Reaching Hearts Ministries, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.